Hello and welcome to the Brainstorming Basketball Podcast. I'm Yosef Nasser, pleased to be joined by none other, none other than Mr. Armani Buckets himself, Armand Tendravi, and of course the finest home cook slash podcast, basketball podcast analyst, Harry Leo. Guys, it's been too long. It's been too long. Um, you know, for those who may not know, we used to do a podcast together in grad school. Uh, the uh, This is a sports podcast. Uh, you know, we've been away for a while, but we're all joined together because of our love of basketball and our love of the Chicago Bulls. Guys, how are you feeling? Stop trolling. You guys hate the Bulls. I actually like the Bulls. I, Dude, I'm I like the Bulls employee. Are we all in? We're all in. I'm in on the 11th seed. (laughs) Sounds about right. Uh, No, it's it's uh, it's a it's a great honor to be back with you two. Uh, You know, we were doing this obviously, as you said, in grad school. It's been a minute, but PC pre-COVID, pre-COVID, we're back like we never left, and I'm very excited to get started. Well, Armand, this was kind of your brainchild, and this podcast is going to be on your platform, the Armani Buckets YouTube and Instagram channel. Correct me if I get any of that wrong. I think Twitter as well. What, what was kind of your vision for uh, getting these minds together and, and going on this endeavor? Well, Yosef, great question. Basically, I have always been against the major sports media narratives of who's the best player and these you know, the debates that lead to nowhere. And I would rather just discuss the intricacies of the NBA, meaning this, this I would is rather absolutely ridiculous. Who are you? <laughs> Why? Why? What do you mean? Dude, that's all you do. You just like engage in these ridiculous narratives, which I'm more than happy to oblige. In. I don't care about Jordan versus LeBron or, you know, who's your top 10 player list. I want to know, you know, who's your eighth seed. Okay. That's what I care about. What about you, Harry? Uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, I like both. I think they both have their time and place. It's, it's like, um, you know, um, I feel like I've had this conversation a lot randomly in the past year about, like, what are the merits of, like, Chinese-American food, like orange chicken, General Tso's, you know? I think it's great. They're just two completely different things. You have to treat them as two def- different entities. I feel the same way about, like, the Michael Jordan versus Kobe versus LeBron versus whoever you want to throw, throw in there. Um, I feel the same about that versus, like, okay, what, like, what, what are, like, the advanced stats for – the fucking wizards. You know? <laughs> That's actually you a good way to put it. Two different conversations. It, it's a good way to put it. And I, I think that one of the things we have in basketball right now is, you know, you've got your film guys and your stats guys. And, and I like the way you put it here because I like all of it, you know, like, why yeah, do same. I have to pick just one? Like, you know, why can't I use different things to understand the game? So hopefully, you know, we can get to a place through these conversations um, to, um, you know, have that dialogue amongst ourselves and then hopefully bring it to our audience as well. Before we get, we've got a lot of topics to get to, uh, but, but I want to get, you know, from each of you guys, um, just maybe it's a basketball philosophy, a way that you see or understand the game. So for me, I I like the concept of team building, right? And and the NBA, you've got a salary cap and you've got um, a limited way of getting players on your team assets, right? So I'm fascinated you know, by the NBA for several reasons, but it's this concept of team building. How do you, with a finite amount of resources, how do you optimize uh, the tools you have to get players on your roster? Um, 
Armand, I know you're more, you're a big chemistry guy. Why, why don't you delve into some of your philosophies in terms of things that you believe in uh, as it pertains to basketball? This is uh, something that <clears throat> you and I, Yosef, discussed the other days, looking at the NBA Finals. We, we felt as if the Heat and the Lakers were the teams with the two best uh, chemistries. And I think that that's the most underrated and undervalued part of analyzing and predicting an NBA season is which team is going to have the best chemistry and how is chemistry going to play a factor. We saw it with the Clippers last year. I'm always fascinated. Bill Simmons calls it the body language doctor. He, he uh, refers to himself as such. And I've always been fascinated by the inner workings of like, how are, how are, fi how are these five guys, how are their personalities going to mesh together or are they going to mesh together to build a good unit? So that's, that's my favorite part of basketball. And how about you, for you, Harry? I'm curious. I mean, obviously, you know, we've had conversations, but if you were to sum it down, sum it, you know, sum it up and, you know, this kind of, you know, sentence or two, yeah. how would you kind of? Um, I, I think big picture wise, I'm always fascinated by like the meta of the game. Like I play a lot of video games. My roommate is literally playing a video game in the background right now. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these uh, video games, we call them esports nowadays, like competitive video games that are treated like spectator sports they revolve around what's called like a meta. So the game itself might change, it might not, but um, they, you see these um, big like um, waves of uh, shifts, like these big shifts in gameplay styles and, and what's like the preferred uh, consensus, like um, uh, emphasis around, the, around these leagues, right? And I, I feel that way about like traditional sports too, you know, it's like basketball or football. Like, I, I feel like, especially in the NBA, like, um, I just enjoy watching these historical shifts over time where it's like, yeah, you know, you go back to the nineties and, you know, for different reasons, rule changes for, uh, the star players that were like prominent at the time you had a certain style, you know, very physical, not a lot of threes, just like, just kind of more of a, of a purely athletic dominance. And now, you know, the game for better or worse is transitioning to more of like a finesse, um, thing. And yeah, I think, you know, when, I'm t when we're talking about like these big picture, ideas like I, I appreciate like um, seeing these meta shifts in the NBA. It's interesting you say that because I think we might be in the midst because you know the prior five years like you know we're talking about the Splash Brothers right and we're talking yeah. about small ball we're talking about shooting but now if you can have playmaking centers like Nikola Jokic and Bam Adebayo and Wendell Anthony Carter Davis, Jr. <laughs> <laughs> who, who prevent you from being able to go small but you still have that playmaking, you still have that dynamism. You know, these guys have the ability to dive to the bucket, get baskets in the post, um, shoot it, you know, with uh, particularly with Davis and Jokic. Um, that that makes it tougher for players to play a Draymond or for teams to play a Draymond at center. So uh, I, I like the fact that you brought up shifts. Armand, I know you want to get into underrated players going through the season, but I, I think it's appropriate to – give our audience just an understanding of who we are as fans, right? Because ultimately we come at this, you know, obviously the meta perspective, the team building perspective, the chemistry perspective, but we also are fans just like everybody else. So uh, why don't you start? Because you're as diehard a fan as I've ever met. Um, tell the people, everybody who's listening probably knows you or, you know, has some semblance. I mean, the Armani Buckets logo is you in a Bulls jersey, but but talk about your, your fanhood of the Bulls and, um, kind of what you what you think the Bulls are going to do this season. I'm going to be honest, Yosef. Before you came in, I was just actually ranting about how I hate the Bulls <laughs> going forward with uh, with Harry. You hate them? 
Honestly, okay, so yes, I am a diehard Bulls fan. Uh, I'm I'm a huge Kobe White fan, and he's my favorite player in the whole league. Even I believe, honestly, if I wasn't a Bulls fan, I would still be a diehard Kobe White fan. And the thing is, the way we're utilizing him now is like a floor general. So I'm getting bored already of this Bulls team. It's early. The pecking order. Armand, you said that you wanted to give him the keys to the car. You wanted him to be the point guard. (laughs) Now we're utilizing him like a floor general and it's a problem. I want him to shoot 20 plus shots a game. (laughs) I want him to. I don't want this 12 shots BS and running pick and roll. Let him freaking fire that thing like a cannon. I want him to come down the court, thirty-five feet away, shoot like four. Yeah, times. but that's gonna that's gonna interrupt the development of the next Kawhi Leonard, Patrick Williams. That's that's a great point. That's the that's problem. A great transition that's a big right problem. there. Yeah. So, but yeah, getting back to yeah, I I was born and raised in Chicago, diehard Bulls fan. It's been a long, miserable, miserable journey, and yeah, I think we can all relate to that miserable journey. Harry, why don't you continue with the misery? I mean, I think, you know, you're not a fan of, of – uh, you're not an actual fan of your team unless you kind of hate them. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel that way about the Knicks point. for sure. They're like um, – yeah, I don't know. I, saw, I, I wasn't a fan of the Knicks growing up, not really. I mean, my dad was a huge Michael Jordan fan, um, so, like, I knew about the Knicks. Um, but, you know, when I moved to New York, uh, I started covering the Knicks for this, uh, this website, the Knicks Wall. And, um, you know, I think just watching them night in and night out, I just became, just became a fan of them because, you know, you get to know some of, like, the younger guys on the team just from – like spending so much time thinking about them and watching them play. And it's like, you just develop like kind of like a, uh, I don't know what to call it, just a, an affinity for the team. For, a kinship? For, yeah, a kinship for like the, especially when a team's going through hard times, which the Knicks have been going through for the last 20, 20 years. Um, but yeah, anyways, I mean, I think that uh, I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about uh, what the Knicks are going to do here. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. Um what? I think they're going to sneak in. Play a very the lead. Yeah. No, I, I legit think they're a playoff team. I, I, mean, I okay, think it's more – Play-in tournament playoff team, or you mean like, you know, legit – No, no, play-in player. tournament. They're going to they're gonna sneak into the eighth seed. Well, because what we were talking about with meta shifts earlier, I think that the league is transitioning towards like a bully ball meta again with playmaking, you know, across the board. But um, I think, you know, everybody wants to uh, zig when other teams zig. And uh, the Lakers just zigged the shit out of a championship. Like, they just played gigantic and just beat the shit out of everybody. I don't know if we're allowed to curse in here, but they beat the crap out of everybody. And um, um, the Knicks, weirdly enough, have kind of, like, stumbled into the personnel for that. Like, they have a bunch of guys who are, you know, they like to play that kind of style. Um, Shout out Rowan and Julius. Rowan. Rowan Barrett. We love him. Um, Let me ask you – I want to ask you quickly because you said that um, one of the things you like about following the Knicks is that you identify with certain young players. So if Armand's guy is Kobe White, who's your guy right now? I mean, it's always been Frank Nilakino, but he's he, <laughs> he's just getting I he's getting it. buried, dude. I love Frank. Dude, ever since like okay, so Frank was a meme and then he's still a meme. But then he he played uh for Team France, I, I wanna say like two or three years ago. No, and, no, um, I think I, I remember oh, he was remember wearing that. number one, and I think yeah. it was the year before we Went to Medill, I think. Is that possible? Yep, yeah. Yep, so 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and he, I, he took, uh, he took Donovan Mitchell's lunch money. It was awesome. And um, I was like, oh my god, this is my guy, dude. Seven foot wingspan. I, I love Frank. Frank is my guy. But he's, he's never gonna see the light of day. He's gonna get buried. He's gonna be in Orlando Magic. I can't. I mean, it's, it's in the, it's in the future. Yeah. I think Frank's gonna have a moment for a winning organization once you know he's done with the Knicks. You know, he's gonna 
signed for a minimum type deal. And then he's going to be on the Philadelphia 76ers which is my <laughs> team, as a defensive yeah. guard off of the bench and really shine. And then someone's going to overpay him, you know, four years, $50 million. And then, I think it's a good, you know, finish. we'll see how that goes. Um, so, you know, I, I mentioned my team, Philadelphia 76ers. And Harry, what you said was very profound in that you don't really love your team unless you hate it. <laughs> yeah. And the Philadelphia 76ers have put me through a lot of pain and a lot of suffering over the past, ever since uh, really Sam Hankey left. And, and the way I look at NBA fandom to me, and, and obviously Armand, you might be the exception because you're a diehard fan. I look at NBA fandom as almost like a stock, right? Because there's so many games. It's like you want your team to be flowing in the right direction for a long period of time. Only four or five teams are really contenders at the end of the day. It's not like the NFL where every Sunday is war. It's live or die with your team. Um, you want your team to win on the margins, which is one of my favorite slogans. Um, but it's true. You want them to make incremental progress every year, every transaction, every draft. To, to put themselves in a position to where if they do get the right combination of superstars and role players, they have a puncher's chance. The Sixers have completely botched that. But now that we have Daryl Morey in place, I'm optimistic that, okay, I am too. competent leadership. And that's what gives me hope for this season because I think that this year the Sixers can be one of those four or five teams that I'm talking about that can truly contend for a championship. And I had feared that when we had Jimmy Butler and uh, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons, and we lost to Kawhi Leonard in the second round at that, you know, quadruple bounce, game-winning, series-winning um, shot that we had botched that opportunity because Jimmy leaves, we pay out Horford too much, um, we trade for Josh Richardson, who's not a fit, and then all of a sudden we miss a window. But now with Daryl Morey, I've got optimism that that window is a lot. I, I want to spend some time on the Sixers because this is my hottest This is my hottest Eastern Conference state. I feel like everybody else is out on the Sixers. I think they're going to be like the two seed this year. Okay. Because I, mean, I think that um, – I, I think what, what Daryl did was, like, he took all the problems with his roster, which is, for me, personally, I think the biggest problem is that the talent doesn't get a chance to, like, um, maximize what it's good at. Mainly Ben Simmons. Like, I think Ben, ben Simmons is – he should ideally be, like, Draymond Green, like, 3.0. Yeah. Like, you should – he should be catching the ball in, like, a four-on-three at the nail, going downhill and making – plays downhill like he should not just be um a power forward like it's it's just ridiculous to me um but i mean he's he's physically he's that guy so i think like having someone like seth curry like yeah. seth seth curry is for that price is the perfect compliment to ben simmons like if you if you if you run that pick and roll like you can't you can't go over on seth so that means draymond's gonna catch the ball in or not draymond that means simmons is gonna catch the ball in space and he's gonna have like things to do like, I don't know. I, I, I just think, like, the roster, like, talent-wise, they, they probably haven't upgraded really that much, like, since they had – maybe they've even downgraded since that Jimmy Butler um, oh, yeah. iteration. But, like, I mean, I, I think that the ceiling for this team, I think it's actually higher. I think it's higher than that, that team, which almost made the finals. I, I agree. Obviously, I've been through, you know, some pain, and, and it's been tough. So, I don't want to, you know, get too close to the fire, but I, I do tend to agree. And, Armand, we've had this discussion about – the fit of Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And my case to you is like, yes, they're not the ideal fit, but you need the complementary players to kind of bridge that gap. And what Harry is describing is why I have optimism, getting a Seth Curry, getting a Danny Green, now Tobias Harris can shift to the four. It's still a little bit clunky with Ben at the point, 
uh, Harris at the four and Embiid at the at the center position. But now all of a sudden you can stagger these rotations and, you know, you, you can get ideal shooting um, on, on the floor to complement these guys. Um, do you have any any thoughts on that before we get into underrated players we're looking forward to seeing this season? Yeah, I mean, Harry mentioned uh, Seth Curry, who was a huge pickup. I also think Danny Green has been an afterthought. And just his presence in the locker room, he had a couple quotes this week. One was, uh, you know, jokingly, the pressure's on them. I've won back-to-back championships. It's their job to get me there and win another one. If they don't, it's because they fucked it up. And, you know, obviously he's making light of the situation and the you know, the trials and tribulations the Sixers have been through. And then he had another quote basically telling Ben Simmons, you know, you can't be afraid to shoot the ball. And I love that Danny Green is in that locker room and he's a presence for them. And I definitely think the Sixers will be a title contender this year. So looking forward to it, Yos. Everything you just said is the opposite of how I feel about Dwight Howard. That's kind of the one thing where it's like, (laughs) we have to go there. But you know what? If Daryl's on board, I'm on board. And Daryl, we trust. Let's get to some underrated players that we're looking forward to seeing. And now, Armand, do you want this to be in the Eastern Conference or just the NBA as a whole? This is going to be the Eastern Conference uh, okay. preview. So, yes, Eastern Conference only, guys. So why don't we get, you know, non-Bulls category or Bulls category, who are some guys that you're looking forward to to tracking over the course of this regular season as we, you know, it's kind of a, a sprint when you think about it, the 72 games COVID season. Um, you know, to the playing tournament and then uh, the playing game rather, and then, you know, the playoffs, who, who are some of those underrated guys that you're looking forward to, to seeing this season? Uh, well, you know, everybody's talking about the Brooklyn Nets and you and I, Yos, had a running joke about the bubble Nets. We, it wasn't even a joke. We actually legitimately believe. Yeah, speak for yourself. I, I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a huge cheese guy. Chris yeah. Gioza, TLC. That's where I was going to go with the first one. TLC. Hashtag we go hard. Yes. Luau Cavaro. I, I believe in him. I mean, he was the star of the bubble nets and now he's a role player, which is his best, you know, best suits him. And I think that he's going to fit in nicely alongside uh, Kanye and KD. Kanye. <laughs> Kanye Irvin. Oh How about God. you here? Who's a, who's a, underrated under the radar eastern conference guy that you like um i don't know if we i don't even know if this guy counts because we just saw him hit like a buzzer beater in the bubble but i think og ananobi is gonna have like a mini breakout year i really do i think like the the team is designed for him to actually step up and take on a bigger role like he's gonna be a starter this year i think he can he can do stuff on both ends like i think he's gonna be very like jalen brownish for that team like I'm, i'm like 25 and 5 this year that's that's a good pick. And actually, he was on my list of guys that I was considering for this. Um, the Raptors seem to have a way, you know, I talk about winning on the margins. Like, I had counted them out, you know, you know, a few weeks ago in my mind, obviously. I don't have a platform to count them out per se. But just, like, wondering, like, is losing Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka, is that too much? But they have a way of incubating these guys, and they kind of come off of a conveyor belt. I mean, watching – at this point, when we're recording this podcast, we've seen basically m- most of the teams play at least one preseason game. Some are in the midst of their second preseason games. Um, but looking at Terrence Davis and the way that he looks, um, Matt Thomas, I think he might even have a chance to break the rotation. And they have a guy, Paul Watson, who if someone gets hurt, I kind of like his game as well. And 
OG is at the top of that. Like, you know, every season someone climbs up that, that depth chart and OG could be that guy to take that Pascal Siakam type leap. So I like him a lot. When a guy I'm looking at, I think the Wizards could be good this year. And I, I really like Troy Brown Jr. Because he, he's a guy who's a high-level field guy. He's not a great shooter, but I think that he's got good size for his position. And, and ultimately, Armand, you know, and Harry too. I mean, we value smart basketball players, guys that we'd want to play with. And I was watching the, um, the Wizards-Nets preseason game, you know, uh, earlier in the middle of our fantasy draft, Harry. <laughs> but um, uh, one, one of the things that was interesting to see is that Harry and Denny Avdia, who we'll talk a lot about on this podcast, like they, they're like, you know, pointing like where the ball needs to go, like, you know, where, where the ball needs to move around on the court. And then you've got Rui Hachimur and Thomas <laughs> Bryant who want to shoot everything. Um, but like, I think that, I don't know if TBJ is going to start because he, he does kind of like to have the ball in his hands. Um, or if he's going to come off the bench and run that second unit. But he's a guy I'm really interested to seeing. I think he can be a 15-5-5 guy in the right situation. And, he, you know, the Wizards need some help on the wing, um, need someone to step into that role. They've got a lot of different options now with Denny. Isak Banga started a lot of games for them. Um, TBJ, obviously, I mentioned. Davis Bertans, I see him as more of a 4-5. But um, I 3-4, I mean, small ball 5, I guess. But um, There's no positions anymore. No positions, yeah. Throw positions out the window, but TBJ is kind of my guy for uh, underrated who I'm excited to see. And another I've, guy I want to throw out there. Go ahead. Oh, Harry. go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say I have, I have one more guy. Like we have to hit this guy. That's that's why I wanted to jump in here. I don't even know if he counts, but Lamelo Ball might be a, a superstar. Oh my god, I'm I'm so excited to watch. Lamelo. I'm I'm all in, dude. I'm all in. Two behind the back passes, dude. Like, it's the it's the confidence. Like this it, guy has no reason really to be this confident already. It's dude. It reminds me of like. You remember when the like okay, this is gonna sound ridiculous. I don't mean to compare him to LeBron. I just remember I just remember when LeBron debuted against the Kings. And yep. there was like all this there was so much pressure on him. So much pressure. Like he had already had like three commercials. He signed like a hundred million dollar deal with Nike or something. And he came in and and dude, I he he just eighteen five and five, just cool as hell. Like, yeah, I belong here. Just already. And like what Lamelo did yesterday was like, I know he didn't put up crazy numbers, but I, I was, was zero, just like zero, 10 and four. Um, but the thing, I mean, 10 rebounds for a point guard is pretty ridiculous. And it, it just shows that the athleticism, the, the size translates, the feel translates. And it's just like what you're saying about the confidence. It's very yeah. visible when you're watching him. It's just like, it, it gives you a feeling as a viewer, like the only reason this guy fails is, you know, it's on him basically in terms mm -hmm. of like, he can do everything out there there on the court so it's like if he screws around off the court like that's the only way but like on the court like it's all there the feel he belongs um, he, exactly he belongs um the other guy i wanted to mention was dante divincenzo obviously mm -hmm. the disaster with bogdan bogdanovich you know being signed and traded to the bucks and then obviously that was a little bit premature as we found out um and he ends up going to the hawks divincenzo is going to be in a situation where he's either going to be i mean he was a prominent role player last year but he kind of got his minutes uh kind of got curbed in the playoffs you know bud likes to shrink those uh, uh those uh you know he likes to play very large rotations and not play his guys a lot of minutes but i think if divincenzo gets a chance he's another guy in the east that they are going to be good they are going to be good any any more underrated players before we get to the eastern conference as a whole armand you know it's a copycat league you guys both know that and watching these preseason games Guys, the guy that people are copying the play style of is Duncan Robinson that I've noticed. Mm. And 
the guy that um, was being used like Duncan Robinson was Fee McKayluk on the Pistons. And he was just running around and basically he had the ultimate green light. And that shows to me that, you know, he's going to put up numbers this season. He's a very good shooter. And I truly believe that he had, he's always had it in him ever since he was on the Lakers summer league team. He's had it in him. Laker fans were freaking out about him when he was hitting those threes. But this guy, I mean, you know, we talk about positionless NBA. He's, he's a wing. He has good size, can shoot the ball, ultra confident. I, I don't see why he can't take the next, the next step and really help the Pistons who let's not get ahead of ourselves, but I think that they definitely might be a sleeper team this year. That might be getting a little. <laughs> you might be getting ahead of yourself, dude. I don't know, man. But I, I guess with this new plan tournament, as we look to the Eastern Conference as a whole, awesome. like, you know, the top 10 teams, like, all you have to do is get the 10 seed now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, that, that is feasible. If Blake, I mean, Blake looked terrific uh, yeah. on Friday. I mean, he, he looked, you know, athletically he was there. Oh, yeah. And, you know, his passing. And, you know, Killian, I, I love Killian coming into the draft. I, I have, you know, a few concerns based on what, you know, I saw. And, um, you know, he is a rookie point guard. You know, I wonder about the shot. Um, but, you know, he's a high-level field guy and in my estimation. He's a guy that I trust um, has a chance to break out. But, you know, when, when we dig into this Eastern Conference, I mean, you look at the Hawks. I mean, we talked about LaMelo and the Hornets, the Wizards. And I'm, I'm talking about the, the guys who are the teams that are going to be contending for that 7, 8, 9, 10. I mean, the Magic are still there. You know, maybe they fall off and, you know, uh, start the tank. But it's been good enough to get in the playoffs the yeah. past two years. So, you have to you have to mention them. I mean, the Pacers, um, you know, we will see. Uh, when we look at the Eastern Conference uh, as a whole, what, what's kind of your, your big picture take? And, and Harry, why don't, why don't you start? I mean, you mentioned, you kind of alluded to it with um, the Bucs. Um, you think they're going to be the top and the Sixers are going to be the two. What, what, what are trends that you think people should look for for uh, the Eastern Conference? Well, I mean, I, th- I just think that um, I, to, to me, the Bucs are like, by far the, at least in the regular season, the favorite. I mean, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Like, you know, I think that they have obvious problems with how one-dimensional, like their, their, their team building is where everything flows through the sky that doesn't have any, like, moves in, the half, in a half-court offense. But, you know, we'll see. I, I think on paper, like, defensively, they're going to be amazing. I think offensively, they have, they have a lot of firepower. Um, I've already said, I think the Sixers are going to be the, the two seed. I mean, I, I think that there's like a clear cut. It's always like this in the Eastern Conference. There's a clear cut first bracket and there's, and there's like a lower bracket. And I think that first tier is like uh, Milwaukee, Philly, obviously Miami is going to be in the mix. Obviously Boston's going to be in the mix. Um, obviously, I, th- I think the Raptors are going to be in the mix. I, I just can't see like a championship pedigree organization like that, like just completely dropping out of the picture. Um, and then I think you have your, your second tier. Uh, I mean, the Nets too, depending on what happens health-wise. But then, then I think you have your second tier. You know, it's like the, the Knicks, the um, – this is, isn't in order, obviously. <laughs> the Pacers, I think the Bulls are in there. I think the Wizards are probably near the top of that tier. Um, the Hawks, obviously. Um, I don't know. The Magic. The Magic are always randomly in the playoffs. Uh, but that's too many teams. Like, you know, a lot of these teams are going to miss the playoffs. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, we've named every team except the Cavaliers and the Pistons. And I, I think that, you know, just this exercise is indicative of the fact that the Eastern Conference has been thin in recent years, but now it, it does have 
some depth and we'll see who shakes up at the top. Who, who are your top uh, team, top tier teams in the East, Armand? You know, I'm a prisoner of the moment. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant looked pretty yeah. special today. And I was with Harry with the Bucks. And the thing is, last year I was completely anti-Lakers. Not only personally I hate the Lakers, but professionally I hated the Lakers. And, you know, you, you both kept telling me it's a superstar league. Yeah. And I neglected that. And so I don't want to make the same mistake. I think it's the Nets. They have so much that could go wrong, but so much could go right. And if it does go right, I just feel like they would just crush everybody with the, with those two. And then, you know, Levert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan, they have just so much firepower. The Bucks did a great job with their depth. So I really like that. I'm actually really concerned with the Raptors just we, we've seen this in other sports with the Patriots dynasty kind of falling off the Raptors. They're playing in Tampa. Like it's a really weird situation yeah. for them. Um, yes, they have a great organization. I just feel like it might be one of those years where they kind of just guys just go through the motions with, you know, COVID obviously still being around and stuff. And I'm not really high on them as I, as I usually am, but I think it's the Bucks and the Nets and then also a little bit of Boston, but Boston doesn't have the depth for me. No Miami? Miami, right. They're right. Yeah, everybody's very close. I think I would have Miami third and third or fourth, right, with Boston. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I think they're ahead of Boston for me, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, and that's on it like that – is kind of one of my, you know, whether you want to call it a hot take or whatever, I, I think that Boston is a little bit overvalued in, in the public just because their depth is um, bad. <laughs> look, look at their rotation. They lose Gordon Hayward, and obviously Gordon Hayward takes a lot of shit for, um, you know, the contract he signed in Charlotte and uh, the inconsistencies he had gelling with that lineup. Um, you know, his shot would come and go. His assertiveness would come and go. Um, he would obviously be in and out of the lineup with injuries. But at the end of the day, that's a guy that you can play 30 minutes a game who can give you competent wing play when he's there. And all of a sudden you go to go from that and, and you replace him with uh, Jeff Teague, who was washed last year in Minnesota and Atlanta. Tristan Thompson, who hasn't had a relevant – who hasn't played in a relevant basketball game since the 2018 finals – and you're counting on a lot of internal development of guys like Romeo Langford and uh, Semi Ojale, who kind of is what he is. Javante Green may get minutes on this team. It, it, there's a lot of uncertainty, and I get how special Time Jason Lord. Tatum. <laughs> the Time Lord, yeah. But the thing is, is that, like, you know, you kind of like Time Lord, and then all of a sudden Tristan's going to take 20, 25 minutes from him. And I think Dan Tice is pretty good, too. So, um, that, that's not even to mention the fact that Kemba, there's a lot of uncertainty with his name when he's going to be ready to play. So all of a sudden, you're counting on Jeff Teague to play 30 minutes a night, you know, starting off the season. I love Marcus Smart. I love Jason Tatum. I love Jalen Brown. But you have to have a team, a rotation around that, especially to get through this COVID season. If someone gets COVID, that can knock out, you know, half of your rotation in an instant. And this team doesn't have a lot of rotation caliber players on it. I, th I, I agree, could agree with everything you just said. Like, I, I agree with that 100%. But, I mean, there's a caveat that we have to add in with Boston, which is that, you know, when the dust settles, Jason Tatum could end up being the best player in the East. 
I mean, he's, he's, he's that special of a talent. So like, I don't let, know let, like, let, if that let, happens. I agree with that. Let, let's, let's go through these since this is the Eastern conference pod. And I know Armand, you want to resist these top 10 lists, but I think that it's important. When we're talking about the hierarchy of a conference to, to list off those players. So Jason Tatum, he's competing with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, maybe Pascal Siakam, of course, Jimmy Butler, um, Ben and Joel, um, I don't think that's biased to put them in. Tobias, no, Kobe fine. White, <laughs> Obi Toppin, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, <laughs> Orange Julius, Mitch Robinson. No, but seriously, um, but seriously, can we can we include a Trey Young in this list at this point? I, I think, think he's close, but like I think he's close. And don't get. But we're talking about Jason Tatum. These are guys who have done it in the playoffs. So maybe playoff success, you can yeah. say, maybe you can say that. Tatum and Butler are the only guys who belong on this list if you consider um, Giannis's shortcoming in the playoff, but his talent is so high that I guess you have to include him by default. And then the Sixers haven't gotten past the second round, and Ben has really only played well in, in the first round of playoff series against the Heat and the Nets. So um, it, it's a short list. So I do get that with, with Tatum, but how, how big of a burden? Because you're comparing Tatum right to Giannis, and we talked about the depth of the Bucks And Jimmy, we've talked about heat culture and how they've got guys coming off a conveyor belt. So that, that's the one thing I worry about because, you know, you're right that he's in that tier, but I think that the other two play, or the other players that are on that tier, they've got, you know, a better supporting cast around. So, them. so let's go through the list. I, I'm going to exclude Kevin Durant just because he just got to the East. Like I don't even yeah. really think of him as a player in the East right now. Um, but I mean, I think the list in some order, I mean, Kyrie has to be included. He, he's, he's one of the most accomplished players, you know, in this conference, like whether you like him or not, like, I don't I like mean, him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like he's, he's hit, he hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. I mean, he's, he's got a ring much deserved. Like, like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta take it out to him. Um, I mean, I think like, I think those maybe three or four guys, like that's, you probably can't make a case for anybody else. I don't think Simmons is in that tier. I think at the end of the day, it's probably something like Giannis, uh, Jimmy Butler. I'd probably put Jimmy Butler number one. I'd, pr- I'd probably put him first. I just think that, like, yeah. maybe recency bias, but, like, I don't care. Like, he's he's top dog He, right he did the damn thing, and so I, I, I get it. And, and we also have to understand, like, there's levels to this, right? So you mentioned that you think the Bucks, you know, past two seasons have really been historic seasons in terms of net rating, in terms of the the the, the success in the regular season. Um, so I, I can totally see that, especially with Drew, especially with some of the guys they added. Um, I do worry that they're a little bit one-dimensional. So Bryn Forbes, for instance, in a playoff series, um, you know, are you really going to have them out there? You know, he's going to have to check somebody. You know, if he's going up against the Heat, he's going to have to check Tyler Hero, or he's going to have to chase around Duncan Robinson, or he's going to have to stay in front of Goran Dragic. Um, and then Torrey Craig on the other end, you know, another example of this where he's a, a guy who can defend, but, you know, can he really score for you when, when you need him? Or can he really be a threat offensively when you need him to, to be that? Um, Dude, this is so. what the Bucks do best, man. They go, they go from barbecue chicken in the regular season to, like, you know, like this dry-ass unseasoned <laughs> chicken salad in the playoffs. Like, that's what they do best. <laughs> but it's like clockwork. I mean, every regular season, like, when was the last time they were less than excellent? you know, in yeah. the regular season. I mean, I, it's, it's been so long. It's, it's been before Giannis was like on steroids. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it, do you think Drew is enough to get them to? I, I, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think people are appreciating how much of an upgrade Drew is on and off the court to Eric, to Eric Bledsoe. I understand their skill sets are similar, but I just think what Drew does, like he's just a way better player 
than Bledsoe. And and Bledsoe was a good fit for what they what they wanted. I mean, ideally you'd like someone who can shoot better, but you know, and I understand that's really big. You can't just other than that that. But other than that, I mean, he's like everything that they kind of need from like that position. And Drew is just that and, you know, just better in every single category, including shooting. I think he's a much, much more, you know, he's not a great shooter himself. He's not even a good shooter, but he's a much better. I trust him a lot more to take that shot than Eric Bledsoe in big moments. So, Armand, you bring this up a lot when you talk about the Bucks and that, you know, at the end of the day, you need a guy, a point guard, right, who can, you know, six minutes left in the fourth quarter, a guy who can get you into your offense, a guy who can get a shot for himself or get a shot for a teammate um, through a pick and roll or through running a set. Do you think the Bucks have that guy? I'm sorry. This is going to be my most controversial take of all time, but I watched DJ Augustine play for my team and I, I fell in love with the guy. I think he's, he's more than confident. He was our best player that year. He was, he was, so- he was good in the bubble too. I mean, he had some big games in the series against the Bucks, but I, I, oh I mean, he's so, he's so small though. Like, yeah, uh, you're, you're talking about some of the guards. He's like, let's say the Bucks are in a second round series against the Nets. Like, you know, someone has to check Kyrie. Like, I, I wonder if he gets played off the floor in that situation. He might. And it's very concerning. He is feisty. He, he competes. And he's a veteran. I feel like you can – yes, he has obvious limitations. I feel like you can you can manage with him. He's not a Kobe White who's just going to get danced and pranced around in the preseason by John Wall. All right? He's actually a competent veteran. So I, I think that uh, – by the way, I'm sorry, Kobe, if you ever hear this. I, I still love you. But I, I do believe that he, he has the IQ to, to make it through a, a playoff series. We saw it when he was in Orlando against Toronto. He he single handedly won them that game one, and then they lost. But they they lost the next four. Yeah, That's the yeah, thing. It's not did. just about like moments. It's about like being yeah, able to consistent. to sustain you know a level yeah, of play. They, they lost like twenty plus the next couple games. <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. I think the heavy hitters in this conference are, and so the Bucks, right? Um, I'm not the Raptors. I, I just you know I, I know that what they've done, but it's just, I worry about that center position. I worry that, you know, when Chris Boucher is in the game, you know, it's just going to be a free rate of the rim. He, he's so skinny. So I think it's the bucks, uh, the heat. And, and I get, you know, people say the bubble, you know, you know, they're perfectly equipped for that, but why should that be used wow. against them? I mean, they've got, you know, they know exactly who they are. They've got a seven, eight man rotation. They're going to have guys who um, we're not thinking of right now. And I know uh, your guy, uh, Armand Casey Apala, is someone that you're going to have your eye on as, as a young guy who can develop and maybe break into that rotation. I think Mo Harkless, I mean, you had him in New York last year, Harry. Um, like, for someone you're getting as your discount Jay Crowder replacement, I mean, he, he's, a, he's, the, he's, the captain, it, he's the captain of the no stats good player team. He never puts Holland, up any stats ever. Hollinger and Duncan said that he is the most average player yeah, it's um, amazing. in the NBA. He's the epitome of the most average player. But, I mean, the Heat are going to make him, you know, assign a role for him and he's going to be good in that role uh so bucks heat not counting in the celtics sixers and, and eventually we're gonna have to accept the fact that kevin durant is in this conference and maybe yeah. he gets hurt maybe um he's not able to play all 72 but in a playoff series and got two guys who can get their own shots and really i mean you look at spencer dinwiddie um and karis lavert i mean who, who knows maybe they trade those guys but i think it's those four teams to me 
that I expect to see in that second round in in some form or fashion. Can I make a rebuttal to this? It's your podcast. You can make every (laughs) rebuttal, Armand. I really still want to see what Indiana's got because TJ Warren, I don't know if it was a fluke. He might actually be like a star now. And Oladipo. The thing about TJ Warren, the thing about TJ Warren is that he's he's been dealing with this plantar fascia, and it's not like a complete tear. So it's like, yeah, exactly. So that that, that's the thing. I mean, the 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 Pacers. It's just that they're in that second tier to me, and they've got noise with you know the Victor Oladipo thing. Is he happy? Miles Turner's been floated around and trade numbers. I I get this thing. Malcolm Brogdon and uh, Demonis Sabonis like. That infrastructure is is very high level. They, they listen, have a very great two uh, two man game. I don't I don't, I don't know if Victor Oladipo is happy, but like I watched I watched uh, I watched some of that Pacers game in the preseason yesterday. Dude, he has no bounce like at all. He he's a volume shooter at this stage. Yeah, I, no, I mean, but it's it's not good. I mean, he you're talking about somebody who who was like one of like the better athletes like in the NBA, and now he's like. I don't know, man. Like he's he's an undersized shooting guard with no lift. Like I, I I don't I just don't really know if this guy's ever gonna make a full recovery. And if he doesn't, I mean that's their star power right there. So like I, I don't know. We and for guys like that to succeed in the league, you have to be 42 percent three point shooters. And you know, in his mind, he played this way kind of in the bubble. You know, I remember the very first game. Uh, I think the regular season game against the Sixers where T.J. Warren, yeah, fifty, um, like. Watching Oladipo, it's just, you know, he, he's a chuck machine. He's a chuck wagon. Like, he, he chucks that thing up there. And I think it's because of that lack of athleticism. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, Armand. What, 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 what You're you good. Um, we, we talk about heat culture and the Raptors infrastructure, and I think that the, the team that gets neglected a lot is Indiana. And there might be a couple players that we can't see right now that, like, who knows? Maybe they develop an Edmund Sumner. Maybe they develop – you know, it's not going to be what a deep, what a deep. <laughs> just, it's not oh going to be they, they Edmund an... Sumner is a homeless man's Russell Westbrook. I saw him play in the G League. I saw him play in person a few times. Athleticism through the roof. Has no idea how to play. What a <laughs> deep shoot at all. You guys are just going to flex that knowledge. That's insane. It would have to be Edmund Sumner, Goga Batadze, and you know, Jakar Samson. I don't know. Well, I'm a big know. Aaron Holiday guy, and I'm a I like Aaron Holiday, Goga but guy. like levels right like you know so what is Aaron Holiday like I think he's a good rotation guard like is he going to break out to be Fred Van Vliet that's that's the kind of jump we would need I guess with the with the Pacers great point but I mean so I've said my my core four who who are your guys core four in the Eastern Conference we've kind of alluded to oh you've got the same what about you Armand um okay if you Um, because the reality is, is that only four teams are going to make it the second round, and those are the contenders within the conference. So who are your core four in the East? Let's go Brooklyn Nets, Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, this is where it gets tough. Um, let's go with the Boston Celtics, and let's go with – I'm not going to go with Miami. I don't know. Something. I can't believe the disrespect for the Heat. Like, do you think they were a fluke? I don't think they're a fluke. I think that the mileage of going through the bubble, they're old. I mean, Jimmy's old. Dude, they're not that old. They're they're maybe their best maybe their best player is like 25. Bam, yeah. Bam out of bio. He's dude, you, you think that guy's gonna get worse this year? I no, I that's just a- highly doubt it. You know what? I, we didn't mention this team, and I'm sorry, but I really like them, and I feel like they're built for the playoffs. And I don't know if you guys know where I'm gonna go. But 
I saw Can we this. Take a guess before you said. Yes, Us. I saw this with the with the with my team with the three alphas, where it was just like regular season wise or whatever. But then the playoffs came, and I was like, oh, this is a good playoff team. Uh, you guys can Raptors? take a guess. Hawks. No. no, the Washington Wizards. I'm gonna. Uh, oh my God. Ah! As a playoff team, they got Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And Bradley Beal. Uh, you, you can't, you can't oh fault it. God. I mean, but the thing is, like, they have to stay healthy, right? Yeah, I'm talking, like, they could be the eight, seven, eight seed and somehow sneak into the second round. Like, I don't expect them to be good in the regular Dude, season. I will say their roster kind of makes sense on paper. I mean, to cover up, like, Russell Westbrook's shortcomings, you need a big man like Davis Bertans, who's legitimately automatic. You, you, you need kickout guys. And, like – and I think Bradley Beal is like the one of the most special players. Uh, he's probably in that in that in that conversation for best players yes. in this conference. Yeah, he is because he's done it in the playoffs too. Yeah, uh, he's it, a monster. It's, it's just I worry about you know. So they're counting a lot on Thomas Bryant. I mean, I think Thomas Bryant is a bucket offensively, but defensively he's pretty slow. And uh, Rolo is the same thing. So um, I like their wings. I, I like their young guys. Um, you know, I mentioned TBJ. Um, I'm not a huge Rui guy, um, but, you know, he's got some talent, and he might be able to bring some scoring off the bench. Danny Avdia, I think he's a high-level field guy, and he was hitting shots tonight. Um, Isak Bonga, I think he's a really good defender. It's just, can they make a move to get a big? And then also you have the factor of Russell Westbrook self-combusting in the playoffs. You know, I, they made the second round last year, but, you know, and, and I know he had COVID entering the bubble, and he had the quad injury as well, but um, – too many times, I mean, you take it back to post-KD, OKC days, um, he gets too revved up for these moments, man, and it's just like he, he always needs the ball in his hand, and I want Brad to have the ball in his hand in those situations. So um, I, I worry about them from the interior defense perspective. Um, you know, we talk about who can defend pick and rolls a lot, Armand. Like, if you put one of Washington's bigs in a pick and roll, who like – are they going to be able to survive? I think that, you know, those are the factors I look at. Point. But I like the fact that you brought up Washington because, I, you know, we've talked about the top half of this conference. We've said our top four. Um, now, I mean, you've said your team uh, with the Wizards. Who are some of these teams that, you know, can make a run and really push a team to six or seven games? Um, so do you have any others besides the Wizards, Armand? Do you want to give your Bulls some love here? I honestly, non-homer, I was going to go Chicago. This is like an everything has to go right situation. Um, Billy Donovan is a legitimate coach, and we had a a clown running our team last year. That in and of itself, putting guys in their right roles, Sadaransky is going to. I truly believe I hated him last year, but as a backup, I think he's like a top top half of the league backup, if not like top ten backup point guard. Then you you know Levine is buying into his role. I don't like Lowry Markinen. We do have, you know, I think Carter's going to develop well this year. And obviously everybody knows how I feel about Kobe White. And then on the margins, we got a guy like Gary. Wait, no, how do you, how do you feel about Kobe White? I've never heard you say his name. <laughs> I think Kobe White is going to average. I'm going to go down a little bit from what I previously said because his role <laughs> is a little bit less than I thought. But let's say. So fine, not 30 points, 25. Tw- 27 and four. I thought you said 27. You said 27 yeah. and four. Okay. 20 space seven. Okay. Four. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. 
But I, I'm excited about this Bulls team. And you I think on that. a team with Zach Levine, somebody else needed 20 points a game. That's why. That's why I said 18. I said 18, four, yeah. and six. And, you know, I, I got, you know. Hot take. I think Zach, Zach might lead the league in scoring this year. Oh. <laughs> I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> it's entirely possible. You can't rule it out. Do you have a team here, or do you want me to go first with uh, this this team who can punch above its weight a little bit in the first? Sure. Game? I mean, um, I'll just go chalk because I feel like you know someone has to. Um, you know, I think the uh, the Hawks is a team everybody's throwing out there. Uh, I mentioned the Raptors earlier, so I'll just hit the Hawks really quick. I mean, I think that um, everybody like you know we mentioned Trey earlier. Everybody's waiting for this team to make that jump. I mean, we know kind of we know what kind of talent Trey is. They beefed up the rest of their roster. Danilo Gallinari. Um, Clint Capello is like an ideal role man for someone like Trey. Um, I Loki, I think Cam Reddish is actually really good. Like I've I done, a, I've done a complete 180 on him. I think he's actually he's very really good disruptive defensively, and yep. he can just be average on offense. And I think he, I mean, dude, he's gotten more confident. He does, yeah. And he, the thing is, is that he's been this guy since high school in terms of a high pedigree guy who, in his mind at least, feels that you know. He's as good as the rest of these dudes. You know, a lesser version of what we were talking about with LaMelo Ball, but, you know, these guys who feel like they belong, and, you know, he's got the physical profile to do it. So, I he's like that very Physically, he's very Paul George-ish to me. Yeah. He's very pandemic-y. He, he doesn't have quite that athleticism, but, like, no. you know, he's just – oh, he's so disruptive. He's always in the passing lanes. He's always, you know, generating steals. And, and I, so think that, I think that he can get there. Um, and, and we talk about depth. This is a team that has a lot of it. The Hawks were actually my team as well. And I think Trey Young as a six seed can take a team to six, uh, to six games. Uh, Haven't heard a breakout? Unfortunately, uh, no, Harry. I think he's gotten buried into the, into the bench. Yeah, the rotation? Yes. Sadly enough, I am a huge herder, Stan. Um, but to, to kind of tag along to that, yeah, I'm a huge Cam Reddish guy. When we were talking about our breakout players – it was definitely a guy that was in my top five on, on my list. Um, I just want to see how they defend in, in, a, in a playoff type atmosphere because I feel like they have so many guys that you can pick on. Like literally you can go down the list. Every single one. Pick on yeah. every, every, every single, single one. one. John Collins is a sieve. Trey is an absolute sieve. I mean, it's disrespectful to what a, whatever a sieve is. I don't even yeah. know what that is. To call Trey Young a sieve, he's yeah. you're you're a home cook. You don't know what a sieve is. What is it? Is that like a sink strainer? Is that what that is? It's one of the yeah. It's like you know you, you put like like it's not rice, but like you know like stew or something like that to extract the vegetable. I don't know. Like here, I, isn't it like a uh, like a strainer? Armand, or if, a you, if you edit this together, you need to Google sieve and you need to put it you know <laughs> for, the, for the video version of the podcast. <laughs> yes, that, that's that's what it's it's got a handle. It's like. Uh, Kind of like uh, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's like you know a, a netting and it, it basically sifts you know stuff. Through, You're an encyclopedia you know, you put, man. Well, nah, except I can't describe what a sieve is, but um, that's neither here or there. Let's let's close with our, our big picture takes about this conference. This could be um, Zach Levine leads the league in scoring. This could be I think Team X goes to the finals. Um, what what's the big hot take? from the Eastern Conference in the 2020-2021 season. Are we going with, like, a surprise or... The hottest take that you have. The hottest take. Um, the Detroit Pistons are going to be more competitive than people think. Ah, oh, what? 
<laughs> I, I like Blake Griffin. I like what I saw. I, you know, Derrick Rose looked great last year. They don't have a shooting guard, which is a huge problem, but Svi can probably step in and start there. Sadiq Bey looks like an NBA player. Josh Jackson last year looked like an NBA player, a very competent one. Sekou had 23 tonight. He might be a nice little player. Plumlee's a vet. Okafor looks skinny and healthy. Jeremy Grant is an overpay, but he definitely can play. Um, DeLon Wright can probably find a role. He's a good guy that can, like, blend in well. And then Killian. Killian's going to be – I we both – I think we all think Killian's going to be a heck of a player. He's good. He's all right. And then Dwayne Casey, I think, is a, is a top half of the league coach. So there you go. I don't see why the Pistons can't compete in a in a ten team playoff to at least make it into the tenth seed. I think the Raptors and the Pacers, and to a lesser degree the Celtics, are going to fall off. One of those two teams, the Raptors or Pacers, are going to miss the playoffs in lieu of a Hawks or a Wizards or maybe uh, one of your Bulls or maybe you know maybe maybe a Bulls. Um, the Raptors is a tough, uh, starting to regret the the Pacers are going to miss the playoffs. The Eastern Conference Finals is going to be my Sixers aren't going to make it, guys. Oh no! Not going to be the Sixers. Oh no! It's going to be the Brooklyn Nets and the Washington Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, and the Seven Eleven Club. Chalk. Kyrie and KD, or KD and Kyrie, going to go to the finals to face a team that we'll discuss. In the Western Conference preview. I love it. Um, what do you got okay. here? Hottest take. Um, I think that um, Bam Adebayo and Bradley Beal are going to make an all-star team, finally, for Brad. Bam made it last year. Did he? Bradley Beal did not. Bradley Beal will make his Bradley first Beal. all-star team. That's not even a hot take. I don't have anything, is what I'm trying to say. You already gave your hot take. The Knicks, yeah, are, the Knicks are going to be in the playoffs. I can't Knicks say it again. The Tier 2 team for you. I can't say it again. Dude, they're going to make the playoffs. Watch, dude. We ran over, uh, we ran over you guys in the, in the preseason, dude. I'm a huge you Knicks got, fan, but I, I don't know. You guys it, have some compelling rookies between the two of you. Any Obi Toppin, Patrick Williams love for rookie of the year? Um, no. No. LaMelo Ball is the rookie of the year. But listen, okay. listen. The, if the Knicks, it's not about the personnel. It's about just a general vibe, dude. General vibe. We got a new front office. We got a new coach. It's just – it's trending in the right direction. That's all i got to say. Joseph and I went over this privately. If they get to like 10 and 10 or even like 8 and 12, the whole city's in. Dude, listen, they're a young team. It's all about confidence. If they yeah. can get confident at the right time. I'm excited. I'm excited. I cannot wait to see how many air balls R.J. Barrett can shoot. <laughs> None. He's not going to take any jumpers. I mean, the garden is gonna. I don't think the he got garden that is gonna be there. empty for yeah. the hardest playing Knicks team that we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably the hardest playing and the most lovable Knicks team since the the Linsanity days. I can't wait, dude. Cue cue that stupid Knicks song from the nineties. Have you guys heard that song? I have heard that song. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's a bop. I wonder if they would to... virtually boo the the Knicks like the like the. Oh, Eagles you're right. Did. They have to. I mean, the Eagles got virtually booed. This isn't a football podcast. I'm overstepping my boundaries right now. Joseph, can you confirm that? 
early in the season, they they were booed, weren't they? Virtually? If they, if they if they weren't virtually booed, they deserved it for for what they did earlier in the season. But we've gone off the rails. This has been the Eastern Conference Preview Pod, the first ever of the Brainstorming Basketball Pod. And of course, Armand, tell them where you can find all the brainstorming basketball content, all the Armani Buckets content. They will be available wherever you find your podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Yes, sir. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Armani Buckets, as well as Twitter and YouTube. You guys can go ahead and plug your stuff. You can find me on OnlyFans. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but don't worry about finding me, man. Just go to our, go to Armand's uh, thing, man. Support I will be tagging them. Support the kid. I, I'm I'm Yosef Nasser on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. It's been a great pod. Thanks for listening. Like, review, subscribe, all the stuff that they pay you to say when you do podcasts like this. And we'll be back soon next week for the Western Conference Preview Pod. This has been the Brainstorming Basketball Podcast with Yosef, Armand, Harry Leo. Bye.